Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. And we're back with another episode of Chew on This. So, K-Dog, what is up? You know, Teresa, it is a beautiful day here in the Rocky Mountain region. So I hope it is uh, over there on the East Coast as well. Do you have your snowshoes on? You know, I do not. I have to be honest. That's coming. You know, as as a TV show once said, winter is coming. Uh, But I refuse to let it happen just yet. Yeah, listen, that TV show and listeners, we're talking about Game of Thrones. What a very disappointing last season. Don't get me started, Kevin. I just got PTSD. See, look at me. From I the just, memories. It doesn't take me long to just amp you up. I just I just have that needle. I just poke. That's what I do. But look, I already alienated an audience. It was the Game of Thrones fans are now like, what? What? She didn't like it? What? Exactly. Oh, wow. Well, here, I'll <laughs> alienate them more. I never saw one episode of it. What? I know. I'm that guy. I've never seen a Harry Potter. I've never seen a Game of Thrones. I've never seen a Breaking Bad. What about Lord of the Rings? Um, I've heard of it. <gasps> if it doesn't you know have what? if it doesn't have superheroes in it, I'm not interested. I'm just saying. You know what? You have a dragon phobia. All three of those franchises have dragons. I think subconsciously you're scared of dragons. You know, it's something that we'll need to talk about on another podcast, but I've always been afraid of dragons. You're dragon phobic. You're, I guess you're so. a dragonist. <laughs> <laughs> you're an anti-dragon. All those medieval people who listen to our podcast are very angry with me right now. <laughs> what do you have against dragons? What do you not like Shrek? You know, so <laughs> we've lost our pitchfork holders. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, we went off the rails very quickly. Wow, there, take us on for sure. Well, let's. Uh, we have three stories for you. Well, you start us off since I since hopefully they won't talk about dragons. Well, let's time travel from the medieval times into current times, and let's go down to the wonderful state of Missouri, or as I've heard it said, Missouri. Oh yes, or you know, as we say in Oklahoma, the state of misery. What really is there a rivalry? There, there's a little rivalry. There used to be at least. Is it a college football thing? It used to be a college football thing, and then they went to separate conferences. So now I think we get along much better. So there you go. It is amazing how states have incredible rivalries with each other, like Texas, Oklahoma. Oh, my We've God, talked about yes. this before. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> terrible, terrible. All right. So in Missouri, there is a story that's just come out that said, the dental safety net. This is pretty, this is an alarming title. Missouri's thin, thin. Missouri's thin dental safety net stretched amid Medicaid expansion. Now, what that means is that there is now more people eligible for Medicaid. About 275,000 Missourians, Missourians, Missourians? Missourians, yes. Are newly eligible this year for Medicaid. This is something that was approved in 2020, but it's just now becoming implemented. So October 1st is when, when it went into effect. So here's the problem, though. Only 27% of dentists in Missouri accept Medicaid. It's one of the lowest rates in the country. So it's nice to have Medicaid for 200, almost 300,000 people, but if no one can treat them, then does it really matter? 
it seems very strange that they won't re- increase reimbursement to attract more dentists, but yet they're putting a ton of people on the rolls. In fact, uh, <laughs> this cracked me up. The executive director of the Missouri Dental Association was asked, you know, why, why do so many people or so many dentists decide not to participate? And she gave a very straightforward answer. The state's program pays dentists extremely poorly compared with private insurance or what a dentist would be able to charge a patient paying cash. And then adding to the strain, she says, dentists who do accept Medicaid, now this is the kicker, often must deal with the state plus private insurers that administer Medicaid through a program known as managed care. So basically, the fact is there's a lot of rules and regulations when it comes to Medicaid participation. And with low reimbursements, it's just not worth it. So what I don't like is that, you know, there's... There's this big wave of hope from the politicians that say, hey, we're now adding and you're going to be able to do this. But if nobody's there to furnish the services, that's a real shame. And I feel like it's a, a bit of a bait and switch. What do you think? Yeah, I think so, too. And and you and I both know that anytime there's more obstacles that are put in the way of something, the, leap, the less chance of it actually happening. You know, I, I was joking earlier about Missouri, and, and but that's somewhere I've spent a lot of time just because it was close to where I grew up in Tulsa. And there's a lot of need there. You know, there's a lot of rural areas in Missouri that certainly could use some some help, uh, could certainly use some of those costs uh, or obstacles being broken down. And I think it's a shame that whenever we talk about all the need that is out there, and yet we still can't figure out a way to actually meet that need with the workforce that might be available. It's a shame. Well, it is interesting that you said that about the workforce. They did some numbers, they crunched some numbers, and basically 1.7 million Missourians live in a federally designated dental professional shortage area. That's a lot of people. It would take another 365 dentists to fill that void. We don't even graduate that many that are interested in even going in that direction. So this is like an unsustainable, and I would dare predict that it's a it's a widening void. You know, you're going to just have more and more people going in into this category. I know we love stats, Kevin, we love so stats. I have to give you some stats. Please give me some stats. About 62% of Missouri adults making under 15000 per year have lost at least one tooth to decay or gum disease, and 42% of people... 65 and older in that income range have lost all of them. Will you just say under $15,000 a year? Is that what you just said? Yes. That's a chunk. I'm just telling you. Yep. So for Missourians earning over 50000 only 8% have lost all of their teeth, but 42% of people that are making 15000 under have lost all of their teeth. So if you are in that income area, you're, and I understand this because- If your teeth are giving you a lot of issues, a lot of trouble and pain, if you don't have the resources to restore them, your first thought is take them all out. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, from a oral systemic point of view, although it hinders your, your chewing, it hinders all this, having active infections all in your cavity is not, that's not good either. So it really is just an unfortunate situation that these people find themselves in. And so if there are any dentists looking for a place to go, I mean, I would imagine that Missouri would want to talk to you. I hope it's a real crisis. And and I know that people don't like to talk about what is that, the uh, dental therapist. But there are certainly areas that could use some sort of attention. And that's the frustrating thing is that, you know, again, I, I, I'm a Southern boy and there's so many areas in the South that could use 
this type of dental therapist coming in. Because let's be honest, as much as we would love for dentists to flock to a Cape Girardeau, Missouri, or, or some of these places that, that aren't Las Vegas or South Beach or anything else, it's not going to happen. I mean, it, it just isn't, I mean, unfortunately. So we've got to figure out another way to reach these people. And I can tell you, there are farming communities. I, I had a friend who was from a farming community that it was a rite of passage to have all of your teeth pulled out at a certain age and get your dentures. And it was not, it was like in your 30s. That's heartbreaking. That's the mentality, as you said. It's easier for me to do that than it is for me to live with the pain. It is for me to live with the cost of keeping my teeth up. And that's what we as an industry have to figure out is how do we reach these people and say there are alternatives out there, but it's going to take somebody being in their community to actually help them with that, too. You know, there's a good argument for mobile vans, people that can go into these communities and at least just do some some quick work. But Funding's got to come from somewhere, right, Kevin? And the issue that, that I see is that, and I know we're going to talk about this in one of our stories here shortly, is that dental graduates come out of school with so much debt. It's going to take them a lot longer to make up that debt helping a community where they can't make as much money, even though the need is greater. So it really is a vicious cycle. The people who need it the most are the ones who are reached the least, and I know it's economics and I understand the value behind it, but I also understand that if we're really a profession that we want to push dentistry into being seen in the same light as medicine, we have to figure out a way to reach everybody in our country, not just certain segments. Well, you, you stumbled across an article that may have a solution. And actually, it ties in nicely with what you were talking about. So let's move from Missouri over to Tennessee. It's not too far of a, not too far of a little jaunt over there. The Volunteer State. The Volunteer State. Look at you dropping the knowledge. I like that. A proposal from the Tennessee Department of Health would expand dental school class sizes and forgive tuition for those who end up working in high-need areas. Now, that right there, forgive tuition, if you could actually say, yes, I will do that in exchange for working in one of these areas where it's needed the most... I think we've referenced the show Northern Exposure on this podcast a couple of mm -hmm. times from back in the day, and this is what it, it kind of feels like as well. Well, you have to explain Northern Exposure to these people, because remember, there are youngins out there that there don't are. know the TV that we know. The bottom line was that a doctor ended up working in rural Alaska to forgive his student loan debts. Uh, you know, and it was a show that was well ahead of its time because obviously his student loan debts would have been minuscule compared to what they would have been today. But they're talking about, and obviously they're, they're really, it sounds like to me from this article that we'll link to, that they're really focused on the state of Tennessee with this idea that it would be, um, it says the state is already an estimated 700 dentists short of what is needed, according to health department estimates. Yeah, think about that for a minute. And it says much of the state money would go to expand class sizes in the only two dental schools that there are in the state. I, I just think it's really interesting that this is a state that's figuring out how to maybe take care of its own citizens and by opening up some doors, you know, to helping people with student debt, but also saying there's a price to that student debt uh, forgiveness as well. Did you say that they had to stay there for a certain amount of time? Uh, you know, let me, I don't see that in here. Usually that's that's part of the yeah. conversation is that you have to be there for a certain amount of time and then you can jet out if you want to. But they're hoping that by the time 
that comes around, you will have already had kids. You're part of the neighborhood. You're going to stick around and, you know, it, it could work. It definitely could work. I'm wondering why corporations don't move in to take advantage of some of the subsidies, because even though they're offering free tuition, if they're planning on offering free tuition, maybe there's subsidy money to be had. For example, if you wanted to set up some construction and get things going, I would imagine you could get some tax breaks if you were a corporation. I would think so. Just find it strange. I mean, the money to not move into an area like that from a business point of view, the economics must be really bad for them to not even be able to make it work, even with Medicaid money or anything like that. And if there's no industry, that's tough. Well, and Teresa, this is something that I, I it was a, a paragraph that really jumped out to me, and, and I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit by saying this, but, but I want you to listen to this paragraph. The pilot program would incentivize dentists setting up shop in small communities by paying them more when patients can't afford the care. Okay, great. And then, listen to this sentence. Tennessee is one of only three states that has no dental coverage for adults, even for dental emergencies. Yes. Okay. So that's Medicaid. That's a function of Medicaid. And even if there's a, an emergency for somebody low paying, from what I understand, if you go into an emergency room and it's because of tooth pain, there is no coverage. What's interesting is if you were to go into the emergency room with an abscess, a brain abscess perhaps because of a tooth, then that would be covered. So isn't that just the weirdest thing ever? It is. It is. Interesting, interesting. Adult Medicaid coverage is always so highly contentious. I mean, just so the readers know, there is the option to add in adult Medicaid in all the states. Can you hear Odie? He's snoring. He's dreaming. Can you it's hear good him? to hear our mascot is back a lot. It just uh, well, you know, killing it over there. Yeah, listen, listen. You hear him? That's him dreaming. There's a squirrel or a rabbit that is being chased as we speak. It's fantastic. He's so cute when he sleeps. <laughs> uh, adult Medicaid is something that is usually put in in political seasons. It's usually up for grabs or up on the chopping block. It is very expensive to add in adult Medicaid, so there definitely has to have some funding to make that happen. But what ends up happening is, just like in Missouri, you may add the benefits in, but there is no way to access a provider let me just say this. When they run the numbers and the utilization is there, it will show that they only reached a certain amount of the population. Well, there's reasons for that. But as we know, in life and in politics and even in the dental industry, you can make the numbers say mostly what you want them to oh, say. Oh, absolutely. That is why adult Medicaid comes and goes. And it's really hard as a practice owner to predict a portion of your revenue year after year. If you find out in two years, that's going to be yanked off the table. And then you're like, now what? It's not predictable, which makes it very, very difficult for any business to forecast and, and to plan ahead. It's very, very difficult. There's a lot of difficulties that have to be navigated with all of this, obviously, and, and there's no perfect answer, but I, I think the biggest thing that we've got to figure out is how dental services can be added and how people can actually make enough money that they don't have to feel like that they've got to live in a Nashville in Tennessee, that they can live right. in some other places that need it more. The Appalachians, Appalachian Mountains are right there, right? They're very poor. It's extremely poor in the Appalachian area. And it's mostly um, what a lot of people don't realize is we think of inner city poverty, but the Appalachian, it's it's mostly country. And a lot of there's a lot of Hispanic and African-American, too. So it's not just 
um, Caucasian, but it is mostly Caucasian. The poverty levels are ridiculous there. It Everybody is struggling. I mean, 15000 a year would be a really good amount for many of these people. This is the population, and I'm from Hickory, North Carolina, so I know... I've seen this, not necessarily the in the mountains where they live, but there's a lot of people that don't live, quote unquote, in a city. They live outside of a city and you don't even see these people unless something is really, really bad. You've got meth mouth. I mean, Appalachians is a meth and moonshine hotbed. And so you have a lot of people that could use this access. But my goodness, 700 dentists to fill this need. You're never going to get that many dentists. I mean, how many do you even graduate in a dental school class? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if I think about the dentists that are needed, then I think about obviously the team members that are needed to go along with that as well. Sure. And yeah, it's just a cascading problem for sure. So dental school is what, three, four years, right? And then you've got residency and all of that kind of stuff. What if there was an emergency dental specialty it's almost like a PA, a physician's assistant. I know we have dental therapists, but you know, the problem with dental therapists is that they're not DDSs, you know, or, or DMDs. Maybe there's an accelerated program to be put into place, you know, cut it down from four years to three years. And they're not really worried about veneers yeah, <laughs> or crown, you know, not, well, not cr- crowns necessarily, but veneers and all of the other stuff and full mouth reconstruction and all that. I mean, it's basically extractions, root canals, fillings. And Teresa, there's something you and I are going to talk about on our trends webinar that's coming up, just FYI. But one thing that I learned at the recent Dental Trade Alliance meeting uh, that I attended uh, with a lot of the demographics and everything as we're seeing our country shift, and this probably won't surprise you at all, is that there has been a, a big migration west, not only in terms of the dentists and team members, but also in terms of population as well. So I think that that's another factor you're looking at is that a lot of the, and let's get out of Tennessee for a minute, but let's look at some of the Michigans, the the Ohio's, the West Virginia's, the Pennsylvania's, uh, some of those who were really so dependent on industry have seen populations moving west now. And so again, is it desirable for a dentist to move into somewhere that a population may be leaving? That's something we've got to think about as well. And, and again, I think there's got to be incentives. I think there has to be something to say, will make it worth your while to go to this place. And I and I do think that there are enough native Southerners or native Tennesseans or whatever it might be there that would be willing to say, you know what, I want to make a difference in my community, but I also want to make a good living. How can I make that happen? Free dental school, though. That sounds pretty good. That'd be enticing. That would be. Yeah. If I were a younger dental person, no, not even. I'd be terrible as a dentist. What about you? You think you'd ever be oh, a good dentist? I'd be horrible. I don't have any depth perception. So like if the root canals aren't, if the canals aren't right next to each other, that's it. Oh, I'm telling you, some of these, some of these x-rays that I've seen, I'm just like, I, I don't know what to do with that. Right. Next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they need to be evenly spaced and in a row. And that's just not how teeth are built. <laughs> I could probably extract though. You think you could do some extractions? You know, maybe. I, I know you're you're more of a, a horror movie lover than I am. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not a, I'm not a blood person. You can't do the blood? I can't do the blood. What a wuss. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm a wuss. I, you know, pirates, I can do that. I, and not dragons, as we've already said. So, you know. I, I had no idea you were so anti-dragon. 
You're getting a big dragon's tooth for for Christmas. That's what you're. No lump of coal, just a big dragon's tooth. I'll wear that around <laughs> my neck and just to be a conversation piece of eating. So okay, we should hear this episode of our podcast. I mean. <laughs> I'm always marketing. I love always. it. Always marketing. <laughs> it is true, though. We do have a webinar, and hopefully you all are going to tune in. And if you're listening to this after it's passed, the replay link will always be on either of our websites. And that'll be December 15th. And uh, that will be at 1 p.m. And it is Chew on This Dental Trends for 2022. We're just going to give you a glimpse into the future, not just our future, but your future. All of our futures. How about that? You That's know? right. As some wise people said once, we are the world. We are the children. So <laughs> I've heard this. I've heard this. I want to share a story with you that Please. hopefully is not in anyone's future, but unfortunately, this is what we have to look at. I mean, we have to pay attention to this. So very interestingly, Dr. Bicuspid published a, a vaccine adverse reaction article, and that was uh, strange to see, but that's a whole different conversation. COVID-19 vaccine may cause oral shingles. And so this is from the Curious Journal of Medical Science. And what they have found, and oh, I should have asked, I know that you don't like the blood. It's not really bloody, but are you okay with us talking about shingles in the oral cavity? Are you okay with that? I actually just got my shingles vaccine not long ago. Did you? I did. You know, I turned to that age where all of a sudden that's an important thing to do. So uh, I did. It happens to the best of us. It does. I should get mine, but I don't think I'm going to. And I'll tell you why after this story, because I know people are like, get to the shingles part, Teresa. Yes, I Oh, God, tell us. <laughs> so a few weeks after receiving the Pfizer vaccine, a handful of patients developed HZ, which is herpes zoster. So that's a viral infection. It's terrible. I hear shingles is very painful. Uh, my cousin had it for a while and she was not a happy camper. It's supposedly very, very um, itchy and uncomfortable and just downright painful. A handful of patients developed this. What it is, is it reactivated the, they suspect, they reactivated the Zoster virus from a latent state and then, you know, pretty much uh, made it go crazy. So many people have this in, in their mouths already or in their bodies. So it's, this is not like a, just a, a weird thing. And so I'm trying to find the, the, the rates of them. But also, it's been noted that in Japan, they've been testing this out. Uh, there's been other countries that have been reporting the incidences. The Tulane University School of Medicine, they actually are the ones who have been uh, tracking this. And so it is something to look out for. All of us are uh, taking medical history, and I'm assuming that in the medical history, you update, you know, whether or not they've had the vaccine. But it might be worth tracking which vaccine they've had because this is specific to the, the Pfizer vaccine. If you start to see any lesions, typically it's on their palates is what they were saying, but one person had lesions on the mandible. We're looking for an acute rash for fewer than seven days with or without pain. Also, people were reporting that they had it on their ear and also their orbit, which is in the eye area. So- Ooh. You know, it's a virus and if you get it on your hands and, you know, it goes everywhere and apparently, you know, it can remain latent in wherever it settles in your body. So if it settled on this person's ear, it's going to settle on the person's ear. So Dr. Bicuspid does have images so that you can see exactly what we're talking about so you can be aware of it. But if you just Google um, oral shingles 
you'll get a ton of images. I was looking through them and I thought, wow, this is for some of them without pain, they may not even realize that they have it going on, but typically oral shingles shingles does have a pain associated with it. So very, very interesting, Kayvon. And lesions are always, uh, and I'm just going to stir up a hornet's nest here. They're usually bad, you know, so I'm just, I, I hope I haven't offended too many <laughs> How people. How dare you take that, that stand? Uh, but <laughs> I, I know. It's, My goodness. But I do think it's something that we've got to be aware of. I just was teaching a course in Seattle, the Pacific Northwest Dental Conference, and I referenced one thing that you always say, you know, is talking about when the patient says that there's no changes in a health history and everything else, and you kind of shrug it off, and maybe that intraoral exam is kind of quick because you're running behind or whatever it might be. It's a great example of why you've got to take your time with every patient and really be noticing what's going on with them. Yeah, just saying any changes is enough. You have to be very specific. You know, no new medications, any new supplements, any new vaccines. Because people think, especially with supplements, people don't realize that supplements can can have an impact on your oral cavity. And uh, from what I remember, it was the G's that you had to look out for. It was garlic, ginger, uh, ginkgo biloba, and uh, oof, I'm missing a G. There's another one. Those particular supplements can have reactions, not reactions, but affect uh, the oral cavity with either xerostomia or just increased blood flow. So those are the ones you need to look out for. And I need to correct myself here. The Pfizer's vaccine is what they're talking about here, but they also said the Moderna. So again, this is why it's important to know which vaccine they've had. The Moderna has been linked to oral facial adverse drug reactions, such as temporary facial paralysis. All the studies and articles are linked on here. So Bell's palsy. We we see people walk in with Bell's palsy. And oh, yeah. If you're not thinking to ask, you know, have you had the Moderna, you might miss that. You, you're sending them on to, a, uh, you know, a specialist, which you're probably going to do anyways. But very interesting that this has uh, been written up and I'm glad that they're getting the word out. I mentioned that I can't get the shingles vaccine. Do you, would you like to know why, Kevin? I would love to know why. Tell me, please. In my uh, 20s, I was given the chickenpox vaccine and my doctor was like, okay, this is great. And then she did a blood test and she said, I thought you said you got the chickenpox vaccine. I said, I did. And she said, it does not show up in your blood work. And I said, all right, well, give it to me again. And so we did a specific test after a month to see if it showed up in my bloodstream. And and she said, where's the chickenpox vaccine? And I was like, you, you watched me get it. You can't like, you know, maybe your supply is bad, but no, she, she said, what you're doing is you're shedding the virus. This virus will not stay with you. And I was like, go me. Well, that's good. <laughs> hey, seriously. Teresa says, I got no time for that. So so the shingles vaccine, because it's a variant of that, my current doctor has said, I don't even know if you should take it. If you didn't, if you shed the chickenpox vaccine, you know, why don't we wait and see what happens with that? And I said, all right, one less shot to get. Why not? Go Teresa. Shedding viruses left and right. Good for you. I know. I wish I could teach how to do that. I would make so much money right now. The virus shedder. (laughs) Anti-dragon. The dragonist and the virus shedder. What What a great name for a podcast. We have gone far, far afield. What do you think? It's time to wrap this up. I think so. I think, uh, you know... We've lost all our medieval <laughs> listeners, uh, you know, but I don't think we offended any countries today. So that's a step up that's, for us. A good for us. 
usually we're offending, but you offended a whole period of time. For those warlocks and wizards who are still alive, I apologize for, for what I said. And wizards. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you just reminded me of Carol from Tiger King. All you kittens and what is it? All you cool kids and kittens or something. I don't cool cats and kittens. That's what she used to say. Cool cats and kittens. We're done. We're done right now. Yeah, drop the mic. Absolutely. <laughs> Dear listeners, we appreciate that you always hang in there with us through the end because I don't know how you do it. But thank you so much and we'll see you on the next time. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned and don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.